This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today I am excited because we've got past guest, fan favorite, and friend of the show, Todd Talbot. That's right. Todd Talbot is back at least for the third or fourth time. This is the only time he hasn't been in the studio. So this is like the COVID check-in. And apart from anything Todd says, it's pretty clear that he can fill a room over the phone. Yeah. No, he can fill a phone over the room. That's that's for sure. The, his energy is outstanding. He's a performer. He is uh, just a naturally gifted He's a proud song and dance man. A yeah. proud song and dance man. And we love Todd. He's been on the show several times. But um, it's so good to have him back. And, you know, I can't stress this enough. You ask him one question, he goes... He carries this show today. Yeah, no kidding. No, it's like uh, I we didn't even really, you know, just hit record and uh, ask one and and uh, watch the performance. But it's, you know, the thing about Todd is, I mean, performance aside, very, very smart when it yeah. comes to real estate. I mean, this guy, he talks about investments he's made in the city, where he's at with them, uh, what he's excited about. And uh, it's just it's just a good check-in. Yeah. It reminds me of there's that saying that don't mistake my kindness for what is it? You weakness. Know this weakness. 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 Don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Is yeah. that it? Todd's is like, don't mistake my celebrity 
for lack of investment advice or savvy. Savvy. Yeah. For yeah. investment savvy advice. I mean, because he was is... it useful that I did that yeah. first comparison. Yeah, I do think I do think that really helped explain where you're going. Uh, I because it is true. I mean, Todd is a serial investor, right? Uh, and he puts his money where his mouth is. There's no question. And here's the other thing: a checkup. Last time Todd was on the show, I would say, looking back, we were at we were at the bottom, right? Sure. And Todd was Todd buying. timed it. Todd was buying, uh, and he was buying with confidence. So stay tuned for this conversation. It's a great conversation. And just before we 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 move on, Adam, you were once tapped. Yeah, to be potentially the next Todd Talbot. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it was a reality show, uh, a real estate reality show. What was the yeah. premise? Do you remember the premise? The premise was the idea was that they were going to take uh, a bunch of top teams in Vancouver. And basically that was the idea of the show that you'd have almost like a competition who was doing more deals and they'd be following these teams over the course of the year. And there'd be like a point system. And basically it was like, volume-based top teams in the city. And so I sat down with a guy. Immediately, he knew my energy was not right for the show. <laughs> he, he was... Did, I, I think did he give you notes? It was, uh, yeah. He was like, uh, stop being such a potato. Uh, no, he was like, just generally speaking, I don't think I have that... Um, you know, there's like all these celebrity agents. I, I think about like Todd, right? Yeah. Todd, for example. Todd... He's like uh, almost a, a Ryan uh, Reynolds type kind of humor. Well, the thing is, is that if you took a camera and followed Todd around, oh, it would be pr- out it of twenty four hours, you might get nineteen and a half usable hours. Yeah, and like for the other three or four, he's sleeping. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and exactly. You know, yeah, whereas and whereas the exact opposite hours <laughs> would exist in my life. <laughs> I'm like, sleeping for nineteen. Just, just give me twenty minutes. <laughs> just let me. Just let me get. It. So you get something out of this, this no, the, week's worth of filming. The interview did not go well. It was a, it was a very, uh, he was, I think he, I think he pretty much shut it down. But you and know I, what? I in, don't have any training. In all fairness, in all fairness, the show did not materialize. So you don't know. You might've been, you could have been the star of it. I, I didn't get, uh, I didn't get shortlisted, Matt. That <laughs> oh. was, um, that, oh, that was made okay. clear. <laughs> When they told me to take my things and get out, uh, but no, anyways, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was another life. But I'm, I'm a pre, you know, when I know a guy like Todd, I, I realize uh, my acting days were numbered. Yeah, yeah, no, well, hey, that's, uh, I, I, I still have that cameo on Mighty Ducks to, to be <laughs> thankful for, though. Uh, <laughs> you kind of, what are you referring to? You kind of do look like Emilio Estevez a bit. <laughs> I I do have that cameo in that Brandon Manitoba bowling commercial uh, (laughs) that that I'm still proud of. Right. Well, you also you also have the Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, you've been on TV more than most. I've been on TV. Yeah, I got caught. uh, I got caught buying a Valentine's Day gift uh, at about six o'clock on Valentine's Day, and they uh, blurred my face. They blurred your face. Yeah, but it's still, that's uh, it it lives on to haunt me. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people comment on that uh, every Valentine's Day, including my wife. (laughs) So what else do we got before we cut to our our, uh, talk with Todd? A few things, Adam. One, uh, a lot of people, and and I've, I've been speaking to clients this week, this seems to have come up about five times, creating panic in the market or anxiety for potential buyers. There was a house on Trout Lake. We should just touch on this very quickly. Yeah. There was a house on the west side of Trout Lake, oversized lot, 
1990 house, 3,000 square feet, really large house overlooking the park that sold over $800,000 over the asking price this last sure. week. 37 offers. The article that was in the Georgia Strait that I think everybody is talking about presents it, it it doesn't capture i don't i don't think it captures the reality of the situation no, right no. for one it presents the asking price of 1.728 as somehow reflective of market value in this yeah, case it's, it's weird how people do that like they don't think that it's there's also strategy not that hard of a concept and, that yeah. part of the advertising strategy is to put a, a very low price right? right like it's not that hard of a concept that sure. you can you can price things wherever you want right you could put it on for 99 cents exactly and and it's consistently uh, people are, are acting like as if there's there's some sort of objective market value at the, at the asking in. price. Yeah. And then when it goes over, it's somebody overshooting. So in this case, somebody overshot a million dollars when, yeah. whereas, you know, I had, I had a client interest in this house. I actually wrote an offer on it. I was one of 37. In yeah. those situations, you're never sure if you want to be the winning bid. Uh, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's very it tricky. And they, it gets emotional and the competition is fierce, right? Right. So, but it did sell for 2.6. I had this, we, we both looked at this house and I think we had a peg that kind of two, three, two, four range. Yeah. And, and that was kind of without thinking about, so like one of the things we talked about is one, it was, it was a big house. It was a huge house. Yeah. It was on it was a, a pretty very, special lot and a pretty special house. Yeah. And, and in thinking about the latent value of the land, it's in an area right across from Trout Lake, lots of townhomes in that area. Um, you could see it as a potential land assembly, potentially, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why someone might pay what it sold for. Um, not, not, not apart from the fact that we're, we're definitely in a rising market for exactly, family. Exactly. But the, the two things that come out of this that just never cease to amaze me. One is, yeah, the asking price thing as if like you always hear about someone who says, Hey, yeah, well, did you hear my aunt got like $40,000 off of a house in, on the west side or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, uh, what was the what was the asking price? Like as if asking price is, is what market value is and if you can negotiate below. Like for all I know, the house was 300 grand over market value and she still paid a quarter million higher than like she, she should have, right? Up. She grinded it yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. And then the second component here to always think about is these media stories and they come out, uh, often they're in the, in like the, uh, some kind of global publication where it says like these 10 houses in Vancouver are over $2 million. And it's like, they're all these dilapidated uh, tear down properties. And it's like, people can't justify that like land close to water <laughs> it's, or, or in the, in the most primo locations in a very expensive city uh, is worth a lot more than right, the improvement. They're looking at, that, look at that door's all scratched up. Well, and this is it. And it's maybe the reason for that is you think about in other areas of Canada where the land is not that valuable, the improvement is what's weighted for the value, right? If you have a really nice house with high-end finishes, that might justify a high price point. Whereas in Vancouver, though, of course, you know, 90% the of the value typically is, is in the land. So it's always a, a little annoying to see these uh, media articles, but we thought we'd at least address the Victoria yeah, because I mean, it is uh, something that has come up in a number of conversations this week and it, it gets people a little bit concerned and, and there's no doubt that was a great price for the seller and there's no doubt there's a lot of demand for single family homes in East Vancouver and in all areas of the lower mainland. And congratulations to the buyer. Yeah. Because I, I actually think it's a great house. Well, absolutely. But what else do we have today, Adam, before we get to TT? 
Today, as always, we are sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in town with a fantastic culture, COVID or not. It's a great place to to hang your hat. If you're a new agent, aspiring agent, somebody who's been in the in the business for a while and looking to make a change, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020, that is oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020, meet with Michael Morgan and the gang. You'll get a huge incentive for this password. Yep. And um, yeah, you won't be disappointed. That's yeah, for and sure. just a quick thing to add to that, Matt, you, you said culture. And, and this is a thing. Oakland, when, when people were at the office, the culture was terrific. More challenging is when COVID, they've actually been able to maintain the culture, which has been phenomenal, right? And everyone's working remotely, and still, you feel like you're you're really part of a community. So shout out to Oakwin, uh, no better brokerage in the business. And finally, Matt, uh, last but not least, we're still doing the listing incentives. Yes. Um, so if you are interested in listing your home for the spring market, do get in touch. We have a fantastic incentive. If you're looking to refer a friend to work with the Scalina Brothers, you can get in touch as well, and there will be an incentive for you as well. And uh, last but not least, Matt, let's cut to our interview with Todd Talbot. Absolutely, guys. This one does not disappoint. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Todd Talbot, host of HGTV's Love It or List It Vancouver, real estate investor, champion of right-sizing. And a little guy. Yeah. What? Who? <laughs> and a little guy. Wait, Todd's, a, me a little Todd's guy? not a little guy. No. No. Todd's, a, Todd, Todd's towering over no, you. No, I meant... I meant you're a champion of the of oh, the everyman is what cha- I kind oh, of meant. Yeah. Oh, oh, little guy, everyman. <laughs> I was going to say. I like that. That that sounds great. Thank <laughs> you for that uh, lovely introduction. <laughs> How you doing, Todd? I, last but not least, fan favorite and past yeah, guest. Past guest, yeah. Uh, so welcome back. Appreciate you Thank making you. the time. Are yeah. You, are you uh, are you in the interior right now, Todd? Or are you in East Van? Where are you usually? No, I'm in, in East studio. Vancouver. I, yeah, I know. Normally we get to do this face to face and it's, uh, it's always a ton of fun talking to you guys, but, uh, no, I'm in East Vancouver at the moment. Nice. I, yeah. I, I want to like, first of all, I think a lot of our listeners know who you are, but I'd, I'd love to just ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but also catch us up to speed on kind of what you've been doing lately, because you're a busy guy, but you're, you wear a lot of hats. So maybe just, uh, yeah, start by maybe <laughs> reminding our listeners. This is always a very tough question, but uh, I guess the Coles notes of it. I'm a trained actor. That's, that's you know, I went to theater school in England, um, had a very long career in, in uh, film and TV as well as live theater. And uh, many, many years ago, probably close to 20 years ago, I started buying real estate in Vancouver as a theater actor, which was, uh, I guess, a little bit odd. And, uh, you know, that passion for real estate started to grow and I kind of expanded my repertoire of things that I was involved in, in terms of real estate. And, and I just, I loved it. Like, I just love the conversation and the, the, the machine of real estate. Um, and so that kind of grew and took over things, uh, ultimately culminating, bringing my two worlds together with, a show on HGTV, Love It or List of Vancouver. And um, so we shot that for about eight years. And um, so that's finished now, uh, which is awesome. It was it was definitely time to move on to other things. But it's kind of left me in, a, in an interesting position now where um, I've gotten 
really interested in in the dynamics of real estate. I think more so than than I was when I was younger. I, I'm I'm interested in what we're building and why we're building it and where we're building it. So it's I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole of of these types of conversations around community and and cities and and really watching people. I think struggle to navigate the financial side of things uh, in terms of you know buying houses, especially in expensive cities in Canada. Um, and you know, I just my gut instinct was that the system might be a little bit broken, and there might be a different way to approach things. And so we took that on as as a family, leaving our big house in Lions Bay, moving to East Vancouver uh, in a I think just a little under twelve hundred square foot. Uh, detached house on a 25 foot lot. And so I just continue to kind of explore what that is through talking to people like you guys, um, investing in real estate. Um, we're kind of living this journey. And then at the same time, you know, I love, obviously my background is in performing and acting and stuff like that. So We've got a couple of shows in development. Um, I was going to go back. We were in rehearsal for a musical. Uh, I do sing and dance, proud to say. Um, and uh, But the show got uh, canceled because of COVID. Um, so, you know, there's just, I don't know. I'm a mixed bag of things. I used to kind of be embarrassed about the, the different uh, elements of my career and my life. But now I'm like, oh, come on. This is, this is great. Like, the diversity is the thing that kind of keeps me going. So you're you're like a modern day Renaissance man. It's funny, you know. You know what? The, yeah, here, you know what? Uh, I could have just shut up through that whole thing, and you could have just I could, said I, modern day Renaissance. That, that's man. I'm changing the title for next time you're on. But <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is, is I bet the the critique is often that oh, that guy's an actor. Um, you know, maybe he's not uh, out there doing as much as you're doing. But anybody that knows you knows. Wow, like you're you're not only are you investing in the market, but you're you're moving at a at a really really fast pace. And then on top of it, you're actually on the tools. Like if anyone follows you on yeah. Instagram, uh, <laughs> you're 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 like you're very seldom off the tools. Yeah, I <laughs> love it. Like honestly, that's yeah. my happy place. Uh, there's something about renovating building that just is my. Um, uh, calm zone. And so I need that part of my life for sure. Um, I, I honestly think that, and you guys talk to a lot of really smart people on this show, myself excluded. <laughs> um, but you know, for me, whenever I listen to somebody who's gonna, you know, share their, uh, their perspective or their advice or whatever it happens to be, if they're not putting their money where their mouth is, you know, there, there's, there's a credibility loss there. And, um, you know, so when I talk about where we're going in terms of, uh, buying real estate for our family, you know, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're trying to live that journey, but also we've really doubled down in terms of, uh, on the investment side over the last two, three years. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Vancouver real estate and, um, we're definitely in the game big time in a few different ways now too. And and it would be good to kind of unpack those different ways. But I was thinking, um, well, we were talking a bit before we hit the record button here. And last time you were on, I feel like we're in a very different market. 
and you just bought, I think it was something in Mount Pleasant with a partner, but you're, mm-hmm. you were in Kelowna and you were like moving where, where a lot, when a lot of other people were, were kind of gun shy, right? You yeah. were, you were making fairly big moves and you were confident. It didn't feel as bullish. Like the market didn't feel as bullish. And yeah. And I remember you were, you were kind of confidently moving through it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe some of the, some of those investments. Yeah. And also, I think, um, and also think the mindset. Back and, yeah. Yeah. If we go back and listen to that, that interview, and I, I remember saying this to a couple people and no one has a crystal ball, of course, but, uh, I remember when we bought the house in Mount Pleasant, um, I said, I think we timed the bottom of the market for, for that cycle, that, that little mini cycle that we were in. And I think, I, I think maybe I was right. You know, it's, it's good to be right every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I like to look at the macro elements that are driving, especially the Vancouver market. Lots of people get uh, caught up in the micro stuff and, and maybe distracted by certain things, especially the media. And um, it can get scary. You know, my newsfeed in the morning has a mix of real estate news articles every day. And it's hilarious because one will say the market is, you know, just on the precipice of crashing and the other will say, you know, it's on fire and, and there's no end in sight. So how do you navigate that? How do you, how do you figure out how to move forward confidently? I think a part of it is knowing your comfort zone and, you know, what you believe in, what, what, what is your niche in terms of buying? And um, that's part. And then the other part is just to kind of like scope back a little bit. You got to be able to scope back and and kind of clear away the chatter that's happening uh, from week to week, month to month, and look at the broader strokes. I think that uh, I, I say this every time. I sound like a broken record. Vancouver's an awesome city. It's got challenges for sure. But I think in the in the grand scheme of things, people want to be here. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, it's a supply and demand equation. And we don't have a lot of supply. We struggle with figuring that out. We haven't figured it out yet. And then the next question is, will the demand um, subside in some capacity? And, and uh, I, I just don't I don't think so. I don't think it's going to affect the market Uh, that greatly. And then the last thing I'll say about that is I'm a buy and hold guy. So, um, you know, I like to mitigate the risk of that investment by always knowing that I'm going to, I have the ability to hold this through any short term fluctuations. Right. And it's worth kind of putting a fine point on, on that kind of taking a step back and not kind of focusing on that, like the week to week newsfeed, right? Because you know, one thing I was thinking of, and Adam and I have been talking over the last couple of weeks, I think on the show as well, about, oh, how crazy it is and, and you know, yada, yada about the market. But it's funny, like in moments like this, it feels like there's this sense that uh, the latent value of the land is, there's an endless possibilities, like as if it's going to be all towers in East Van soon. And like, if you can get the last remaining house, it's uh, it's your gold ticket. And like a year and a half ago, it felt like, these prices are way too high and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and oh my God, what, what, you know, some people I was talking to are like, 
you know, should I just run for the hills type thing? And it's like the ebb and flow and the psychology of it. Whereas, yeah, if you just take that step back and, and, and think about those points you're, you're outlining there, you know, I think you'll be fine. It's tricky to, you have to be very clear about what perspective that you're looking at the market from. Because if you're looking at it from an investor's perspective and you're trying to evaluate, you know, future value and uh, future development possibilities on a piece of property or whatever, whatever your, whatever your path is, that's one conversation. And we talk about price and where it's going from that perspective. If you pivot the conversation a little bit to, you know, are the prices sustainable and who can buy these, which is the reflex that people jump into immediately when they are thinking about, can this continue? They go, well, who can afford these prices? And as you slide into that conversation, you look at it from a different way, but you also open up a whole nother can of worms. And then you're in tricky territory because you start to now talk about community and whether families can stay in the city and are we building the right homes for these people to be able to afford do does smaller units actually mean better affordability sure it means slightly less cost but you know on, the, on that price per square foot oftentimes it's driving price up so there's so many different dynamics at play so it's very difficult to analyze and i think people get confused in that you know what hat they're wearing you're wearing your investor your homeowner you know your community analysis it's it's tricky yeah and i think it's it's funny because we are kind of always monitoring the market and we're talking about buying something right now. And it's, it's, it's funny, the conversation that you have with yourself when you're analyzing a property, even if you know all of that stuff, it's so easy <laughs> to slide into a place where you're overanalyzing. Like it's so the, the paralysis yeah. argument is, is, is real, right? Because it, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's tricky. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is you can talk yourself out of spending a million bucks pretty easy if you want to, right? <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can talk well, myself out of buying a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the difference between people who are in action and make something happen and the people who sit on the sidelines. Right. Um, there's a point where you, you have to leap, you know, you do your due diligence, you trust your, your plan and your gut and then there's a moment for everybody. I don't care who you are. You can own one property, 50. You could be a big time developer. These, there is a moment and I've watched people and I've gone through it myself where it's, you know, it's that you take that deep breath and you go, okay, are we going to do this or not? And that's like, that's the gut check time. You've done all your homework and it, and it's, and it's tricky. Um, there's always a moment of, stress like expansion when you buy a piece of property if you're laddering up in your portfolio or just in life in general where that mortgage is just a little bit bigger and you think is this gonna you know is how is this gonna affect my lifestyle my family and there's always that moment of <laughs> low-level panic in there everyone gets it are you surprised by where we're at in the market right now all things yes. considered <laughs> yeah, I'd be lying. I like I think anyone who at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, said that, oh, wow, this is not only going to kickstart another run in the real estate market, 
but it's going to it's going to catch on fire. Like anyone who said that, I think like it, it defies logic to a certain degree. When you look back at some of the things that have played out and, and nobody knew the dynamics that were going to unfold with this. When you look back at it, I think that there are elements of it that that make sense. You know, again, desirability of Vancouver, I think people are still, or British Columbia in general, I think people are still really keen on this region of the country and this area of the world. And then, you know, you, you quickly go into this detached mentality, which was everyone wants to kind of like protect, find space that they can control themselves. So there was this rush on uh, detached properties, you know, single family homes. And, you know, I think that that was a legitimate reaction to where we were at. So to a certain degree, I think that that makes sense. And then you add in some of the other fundamentals like low interest rates and those types of things that, you know, really kickstarted it. Um, you know, government was handing out money too. So there were a lot of things in hindsight that I think rationalize what has happened and what is happening. But I think at the beginning, um, I didn't hear anybody say that they thought this was going to happen. So I'm I'm kind of curious, Todd, and I feel like, well, at the beginning of the pandemic, I think I was I was talking to you, but it was more about uh, getting my kid through grade three math. Uh, than, than <laughs> Todd Talbot's fantastic at math. He, ladies I, and <laughs> math tutor. Math tutor. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that in my bio up front. <laughs> I was going to say, once a week at my kitchen table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I'm literally walking over art supplies from my daughter's homeschooling art project uh, as we speak. There you go. There you go. So life uh, is upside down. But uh, but I'm I'm curious to kind of hear about your experience through because I I can't remember exactly when we had you on when you bought that Mount Pleasant place, but I do mm-hmm. remember. So it was uh, you bought it with a partner. You got yep. a, a good deal because you you said you'd clear it out. There was significant renovation, um, yep. as I as I remember. But can you kind of walk us through that process? I guess and and also how COVID impacted that process at all. Did you have tenants in there by then? You know, obviously the larger right. your portfolio, something like COVID creates anxiety, uh, totally. depending on your your makeup. But uh, but yeah, can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so the house, I think the the big win for us was on the purchase price, which I say over and over again, you know, you make your money when you buy. So that was a critical piece of the success of that piece of property. It was vacant, so we didn't have tenants, and this was pre-COVID. So we managed to get in and do a very efficient, cost-effective renovation on that space um, and get it fully tenanted so that it, it cash flowed. And, um, so, you know, that piece was already up and running. We had a, a decent amount of positive cash flow. In fact, we're going through a refinancing process right now on that property to pull out essentially everything we put into it, down payment, renovation, everything, and we'll still cash flow it. So to me, that's the magic formula. I can do that. Uh, it's, it's still cash flowed and, and technically I don't have any of my money in there, but we've got a large amount of equity built up as well. So to me, that's like, that's the golden formula for me. It's not, it's not for everybody. And in terms of like tenants and, and COVID, 
yeah, as a landlord, I was like, Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen here. There was some anxiety. I don't traditionally buy real estate outside of greater Vancouver, but I do own a house just outside of Calgary and that property we had to address uh, the rent. I know some people just um, gave some free months away, but I felt it was important to keep our tenant there long-term. So we decided to lower the rent, which would be the equivalent of giving them four months free rent. But instead of just stopping it and starting it again, we decided to just lower it um, and amortize that uh, over the long run. And the reason I did that was because I felt, you know, we want to just keep the momentum of payment coming in because it's, it's hard when you stop payment for something and then you have to kick back into it. Right. So that was the strategy we used. Uh, the tenant was overjoyed by, you know, the relief of that adjustment in rent. But in terms of the Vancouver uh, rentals, everything has been fairly smooth uh, during, during COVID. We had a couple of uh, tenants turn over in a couple different suites. Um, and I, and again, I was worried about that, but it turned out to really not be, not be much of an issue little bit on the showing side, but other than that, it was fine. Yeah. You know what? I had a situation where I was looking for a new tenant in August and I was actually really nervous about what that would look like. And it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty easy. I feel like, and I I could be wrong about this. We haven't talked to a property manager on the show for a little bit, but it feels like the rental market is, is pretty much back in place. In fact, rentals.ca yeah. Uh, and I don't have it in front of me, just came out with a prediction that rents by the end of this year in Vancouver will be up 3%. Hmm. They're down, of course, but, uh, yeah, but yeah they're, eight they're, to 12 months ago, there was, <clears throat> there was a lot of movement, uh, maybe even a little bit more where there was this softening on the rent side, which is an experience that we haven't had in a very, like, I can't remember the last time I heard that, um, being talked about, right. but you know, for, for any long-term tenants, they're protected uh, by no rent increases at the moment, for sure. Um, and I don't know when that will be reinstated, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the rental market seems really strong. Can we, can we talk about, like, it's interesting, Todd, that you say, like, outside of um, uh, typically greater Vancouver, you, you're, you're not really looking at other markets, but can we talk about areas, regions that you're excited about in the province? Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it feels like a long time since I've been to any other place in the province, but I think that there has been this explosion in people looking at other alternatives. If there's something from a real estate perspective that has come out of this is people are analyzing their home with a new, with a new lens. You know, there's, there's different requirements, how they're using their space, um, and I think that's a great thing. People are obviously the onset of working from home and those different capacities allow people to explore the possibility of living outside the city, uh, you know, moving to Nelson or, you know, over to the Vancouver Island. And, you know, beyond the obvious places, which I think, you know, Kelowna tends to kind of be the the high, uh, Kelowna and Victoria, maybe the two kind of you know, shining lights of where people move to. We've definitely seen people looking at smaller communities. And um, I think when it comes to that, really, I can only speak to it anecdotally. But I know when we travel, uh, my brother lives in Nelson, you know, you go to these communities and 
Rebecca and I have said to each other, why don't we live here? Like, why? Yeah, we There's this. About Nelson specifically. Nelson, yeah, we had a coffee with <laughs> Nelson right, last right, year, and yeah. we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nelson's a gem. But there are so many amazing places. And, you know, you, you have that conversation. And I think in the past, people have been so tied to work and tied to their current location, especially around Vancouver, greater Vancouver. But now people are kind of opening up to different possibilities and you know places like campbell river on vancouver island people are moving to gulf islands someone emailed a friend emailed me and said do you want to buy a third of a piece of property on salt spring island you know uh, recreational property or kind of pseudo recreational property this little kind of gap market where it's not like straight up i only go there in the summer or the winter to ski or swim but it's kind of you know where you could live there or maybe pre-retirement like lake country Um, or something maybe yeah where people are kind of getting excited about the possibility of of maybe you know people's lives have changed and therefore their accommodation their living their home uh can change as well so i know i'm not giving you very specifics no that that makes sense. That everything you're saying makes sense. And it's, you know, it's what we've been talking about and what we're seeing. And it, it's funny because, I mean, this this trend is, has been happening over the past year uh, aggressively. And last time we yeah. had you on the program, we talked about right-sizing. We talked about life as an urbanite. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about living close to the city. And it it seems like you're swimming against the, the stream in a lot of ways, <laughs> I think. Um can you talk about maybe like one thing we should maybe consider is this notion of right-sizing at a time where there was a lot of chatter about the death of the city? Yeah, I mean, I, I think generally, like I'll put this statement out, the city's not going anywhere. It's still going to be the hub. I don't have any concern that there's going to be this mass exodus. In fact, I think statistically, we're not seeing people leave the city in any type of numbers that will make any uh, you know foundational difference. In fact, I think one of the things that drives people to living in the urban centers, other than other than work, is this kind of notion of connectivity. And if there was ever a reminder that we crave that connectivity, it has been through this time. I don't know about you, but like. I'm kind of getting weary in the process now of not being able to connect with friends and stuff like that. Yeah. So the city offers that connectivity. Now it depends on where you live and how you want to define that. It, it allows you to be close to friends and family. It allows you to be potentially closer to work, walkable. Um, all of these elements that are, core pieces for people's experience of life traditionally revolve around the city it's not it's not to say that you can't you know live in rosalind and have an amazing lifestyle of course you can but for the urban experience i think people have been reminded of some of the benefits that maybe we took for granted so i don't see the city going anywhere i see still a big challenge pandemic aside We will get through this. I see a big challenge around how many just single detached homes we have and the amount of space that's taken up by those and the lack of efficiency in those homes. Like that to me is 
is one of our core challenges, and it's not easily solved. We decided, as I've said before, you know, to live in a slightly smaller space. I'm not uh, an extremist. We're not living in a tiny home. There's challenges for sure, uh, but we're actually pivoting from this smaller house to a three-bedroom condo uh, about five minutes away on Nanaimo. Uh, that's currently under construction. So we're going to take it one step forward. And I know there's been a lot of talk about how people don't necessarily want to live in condos anymore. And I I just don't think that that's going to be the case in the future. It doesn't phase me. It's a smaller development. Todd, did you you say you're moving? I didn't know this. Uh, This this is Ella? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to move. So we we bought a three bedroom presale uh, unit at the Ella on Nanaimo, and it's um, going up quick. It's going up quick. You don't hear this very often, but I believe they're ahead of schedule, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're doing a great job, from what I can tell. I mean, I'm there every day. I just sit on a lawn chair with my coffee, and I just <laughs> yell yell instructions to them about how to pour the concrete, <laughs> and um, no, but it, it's it's looking great, and I just. I think it just speaks to my kind of philosophy or where I'm at in my life is, you know, the, the vitality that's being brought to that street. Number one, I think is, is got a lot of upside. Uh, it was kind of the, the forgotten, you know, art arterial route, uh, in the city. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, I, I don't know. I, I sometimes with real estate and people's decisions, they're emotional. You know, there's always an emotional component to it. My wife and I have always kind of thought about this, this idea of living with our family in a condo and lots of people do it. It has a bad stigma to it. There's some sort of undertone of stigma if a family's living in a condo. And, and I think that's ridiculous and, uh, and we're excited. So by the end of the year, they are hoping to be done and we're hoping to be in. It's funny. You've actually done like what most people's life trajectory is in about the last three years. Yeah, no kidding, eh? <laughs> you st- you went and I'm going like- backwards too. And I'm going backwards at the same time. You're like, Here's soon you're going to be in a studio? Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> soon you're going to be in a reti- like a retirement home in two years at, at the ripe age of 42. <laughs> well, you know, we laugh about it, but it won't be too long. Here's the other thing that people always miss in this conversation. Like, this three-bedroom condo is sub $1 million. Now, I get that it's still a privileged position and and it's still a ton of money. You know, that said, to carry the burden of a $2 million detached house, for what purpose? And I love the fact that there's a pause there because, you know, it's slightly confrontational to people to analyze that when they're when they're lugging this burden of of a mortgage and maintenance and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, you know, it's uh, there's a certain sense of freedom that comes with maybe a slightly more responsible financial choice. And you do give up some space, you know, right. You don't have all of the spaces all of the time, but. We're going to try it and I'll be the first one to admit if it doesn't work. But yeah, we're, we're excited about it. That's, that is exciting though, Todd, because I was, we were joking, I think before we started the, 
the formal conversation that we're having right now, but uh, <laughs> about, I, or at least I thought it, that you have, you have really good sense when you're buying, right? Like you're, you're in Kelowna right now, Kelowna's exploded. You bought Mount Pleasant in the, in time that perfectly. And, and now it's like, man, and you've East had Van. a, and the move to East and the move Van to East Van the, generally well into timed. Grandview. And yeah. Even the sale in Lines Bay. Yeah. yeah the and sale and then, yeah. so your timing is kind of impeccable. And I think you're, it, uh, you know, maybe it's your. I feel like a. I feel like a golfer. I don't know. Do you, do you ever watch golf on TV? And when they get interviewed at the end, it's very un-Canadian the way that they they answer questions. They're like, "Yeah, I hit the ball really well today." You know, I and and you're like, "Oh my god, did he just say like? Did he just compliment himself on television?" Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of being put in that position. I've I've often tried to analyze like where my strengths are in this whole real estate game. And they're tricky to talk about because I think, I think one of them is just this, this instinct um, that's developed over time and based on experience, but finding a piece of the puzzle that maybe other people are, are overlooking or haven't quite jumped on board with and being able to maximize the potential of a piece of property that that's kind of my wheelhouse i think um there's a lot of stuff i'm not good at but uh but that one is uh i think that's my strength i just i just actually bought an assignment at ella during this conversation (laughs) 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 i know it's like follow todd right follow todd Uh, but honestly, like Nanaimo, I've been, and I've, I live right by Nanaimo, uh, and, but it feels to me like it's so clearly, you know, they've traffic calmed it now. Yep. Every, everything about that move feels right to me. So congratulations. And also that was under a thousand a foot when they were selling Ella. That was a slower presale market. Like that was, yeah, nice move. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, you got a Renzulo's, uh, right next door. Um, you know, like those types of elements, I think investors tend to overlook those things. Now I, I prattled on about macro, uh, influences, but if you want to look at the micro stuff, you know, look at those like vibrant little symbols of, of life. Like it's, it's kind of like a gardener, uh, you know, going out and looking at the garden and seeing like a bud coming up, a, a really good gardener is going to be able to look at that and go, yeah that's going to be a great crop. And me, I'd look at it and I'd be like, oh, that's a weed and I'd pull it out. Like I'm a horrible uh, gardener. But, you know, that's, those are some of those uh, little intangibles that when you're in tune with a neighborhood, you can start to see them and you can start to see that vibrancy and, and, and future potential. What's next, Todd? Oh man. Okay. So one of them, I don't know what's next. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was like, man, this, you're really ready to answer this (laughs) lunch. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Coffee might Um, go, uh, (laughs) chirp, chirp at the construction guys at Ella. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like I've got my five minute walk over to Ella. If you want to join me there, it's great. It is, it is must see TV. You got to watch it in time lapse, though. <laughs> um, the uh, I've always had this dream of developing. You know, I, I know developers get a bad rap, but I've always wanted to develop a small residential cool project. Like that's I've I've had that dream for probably fifteen years, and you know I I've been waiting for an opportunity where I can expand my ability to take that on. <clears throat> 
And, um, you know, I bought some pieces of property that I thought I could, you know, develop in the future. Um, what became very apparent to me was that being a developer is a full-time job and I don't have full-time. And, um, I got connected with uh, one of my good friends, Brandon and Scott, who I've known for a while, who's the owner of St. Construction, uh, and St. Developments. Right. Uh, we got connected and started talking about the possibility of fi- figuring out something to do together. And uh, this goes back probably a year and a half, two years. So I decided to get involved in one of their developments, even before it was a development, you know, in the in the negotiation, the finding of the property, the negotiation of it, et cetera, uh, raising the funds to uh, put together a group of investors, et cetera. And so... Number one, I've really learned a lot in the process because to watch these guys who are doing it day in, day out is fascinating. Uh, the, their process and their proformas and, and just their analysis on the market is, is a different mindset than, you know, the, the, the small investor, put it that way. And uh, so we, I created a, an investment group. Uh, we've invested in three projects uh, so far. And, um, you know, they're a little bit longer term, uh, two years, three years out, but, uh, I'm so excited to be working with these guys and, and it's just like, it's invigorated me. And as a comment about the market, uh, I just anecdotally, I wanted to throw this out there is phoning people up and asking them if they would like, and I'm basically, you know, friends and family, uh, if they would like to be involved in, in one of these projects I thought maybe there would be some hesitation or some resistance in that, but people's confidence around the market, as well as some uncertainty as to where to put their money has led to people jumping on board like ridiculously fast. You know, they're all smart people. It's not their first time investing in real estate. You know, they've, everyone's done their due diligence. Everything's, you know, open book, but the, appetite for it blew me away it's it honestly it it's um i've yet to kind of distill exactly what that's all about maybe my my friends just you know are sitting around waiting for me to call them um <laughs> so i finally did but there's something about that that i think indicates uh where we're headed and when you get 15 people who are very smart successful people all kind of thinking the same way having the same instinct then you know, I think that's a great indicator as well. That's that's interesting. That's actually a conversation we've had on this program before is I feel like a lot of conversations we're having with people in general, whether it's friends or family or, or clients, is that they're, they've got money right now or they feel like they've got yeah. money right now and they're just trying to deploy it in, in any way possible. It's just, it's it's finding the opportunity, which is seems to be the challenge for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, and this this uh, kind of the emergence of this partnership with Saint and our our little investor group, I think, is a really interesting opportunity. It gets you involved in the process so early that you know you start to build in better capacity for those returns, and you get to kind of pick and choose a little bit about you know the style of how things are going. No, I don't mean like end finishes, but you know, you can align yourself with the people that are are building the way that you would want them to build, that are choosing properties in the areas that you believe in, 
you know, those types of things. I think you need to find mechanisms that align with what you believe, your values, and then just life is so much easier. And I think, and I think more successful. Well, maybe we'll leave it there, Todd, but we, we do always have the segment, the five wire, and I think this changed a little bit since you've been on last time, but um, can you stick around for that? Yep, absolutely. Okay. So first question is, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Maybe that's changed since last time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, but d- maybe your neighborhood's changed. The question remains <laughs> the same. <laughs> I'll, go, I'm to say. I'll, go, I'll go Grandview Woodlands uh, just because everyone always says where they live. And, uh, <laughs> and th- that always makes me laugh because when they move, they change their story. Well, last time I remember specifically you uh, chose Britannia Sushi as your favorite restaurant. Because um, <laughs> every time I walk by it, I go, huh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's too high and so for this podcast. It, that reaction is true. Huh, really? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, favorite restaurant. I guess you can, you, can st- you can stick with Britannia if you'd like. But any other, any other place you're liking these days? Uh, how about Kisa Tanto? Not oh, that I've nice. been there in a long time, and I hope they're still <laughs> <Or> open. Ever? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> stick with yeah. the place you've actually tried. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've, been <laughs> I've been there many times. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome restaurant. Yeah. Um, yeah, sit at the bar, uh, eat there, you know, post-COVID, or I, I don't know what the rules and regulations are right now, but uh, but yeah, great spot. That's a good one. Uh, what is your favorite bar or, well, actually, I guess... Uh, bar or restaurant that no, kind of covers we, it we covered we, we you covered guys need this. to you guys need to tweak your questions to make them a little bit more covid friendly I'll, I'll answer you i'll answer the bar question uh my back alley we've got a little routine <laughs> where we walk over to the cold beer and wine store we buy some beer and then we stand outside freeze our ass off and drink a cold beer oh that sounds that sounds wonderful and uh, you guys are invited Oh, we'll we'll take you up on that, Matt. You're not. Yeah. Uh, I, I you're think, not far. I'll... No, I think at one point we were talking about having a park beer. Uh, yeah, we should we should make that happen. Yeah. What is one book? Here's a COVID friendly one for you. One book that you'd recommend everyone read. Oh, geez. So, honestly, I don't read books. Uh, I listen to someone Audible. Right. Uh, Those apply. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to open my Audible. This this is. Uh, this is a great statement on the current affair, you know, the current state of my mind. Like I just have not been reading or, um, uh, since audible though, I honestly, I don't read anymore as well. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's in the car listening. Uh, one, yeah. one piece of advice that you'd give your 18 year old self. There's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thought that popped into my mind, I don't think I should say, um, <laughs> But the the second one, which I Pretty guess good. maybe is related, <laughs> uh, I don't know, have more fun, uh, buy more real estate. When you bought one condo, you should have bought two. <laughs> right, right. Um, I got to keep it real estate focused. Here. <laughs> I like have more fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, so my, my son is shooting a big... Uh, a big series. I'm not allowed to say what it is at the moment. And he's nine years old uh, and he's an amazing little actor and, you know, he's only nine. So he, you know, struggles with the perspective. He's like, I don't want to go and do it tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me tell you something. You might not get this, but 
enjoy it right now because this experience could go down as one of your best experiences of your entire life. Right. Right. Um, and if you don't enjoy it, you know, you, you will look back with some level of regret. And I do that. I look back at certain elements and things and even still right now, you know, going through this build process up on our lake property in, in the Okanagan, you know, I'm not enjoying it. And I think in 10 years, I would probably look back at myself and go, you're an idiot. You should have yeah. just enjoyed it. Like none of it really matters. It's all going to get resolved and just enjoy the process. But it's so easy to say, and it is so hard to do. Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to the, you know, I was thinking is when we were talking about kind of being able to pull the trigger in certain, at certain points and big purchases and, yeah and, 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 you know, kind of thinking about, okay, what's the worst case scenario here? And often it's, you know, chalk it up to experience. I don't know. Maybe that's just the way I think about things, but it's like, okay, if you make the wrong call once in a while, like once you've failed a couple of times, it's, it's not all, it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> yeah. You'll take my word for it. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'll also take your word for yeah. it. <laughs> Oh man, it's so true though. Like, (laughs) well, I think it's just like it's interesting from a real estate perspective. Is just you know protecting against the downside. Like, what is? I just always ask myself. You know, we we have this conversation with our investment partners. Okay, so what is the worst case scenario, and what are the potential pitfalls that we could hit? And then we just play out those scenarios, and we go, okay, well, is that going to be devastating? No. Okay. You know, would we like it to end up a different way? Of course. Right. But you know, if you walk through those scenarios, sometimes you can get yourself out of that stuck spot where it feels uh, daunting or I don't know, you know, unsolvable. It's, it's funny. A friend of ours, uh, well, a friend of mine who actually listens to the program, but he's, uh, he's in the the, you lost me at friend of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, or uh, listens to the program. Yeah, listens to the <laughs> yeah, program. I didn't yeah. want to be that those are, those are obviously two lies. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was saying that like the guys that he works with that approach projects with this kind of solution-based focus, like relentless solution-based focus when they're when they're doing development projects or when they're when they're just building. It's like that's they always end up better than the people that take everything to heart and get worked up and frustrated. So little pep oh, talk yeah. for you, Todd. <laughs> yeah, your, you'll no, be all right. Listen, you'll you'll be all right. Have, you'll land on your we've feet. We've got an upcoming session that I think we should definitely get into, which is uh, recreational property, purchasing it, what to watch out for, pitfalls, you know, dispelling the 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 fantasy of it because everyone falls in love they get super romantic when they start talking about recreational property and uh, not to be a killjoy but there's the flip side of that coin and as people investigate it more and more you know i i think we should we should we, uh, we should do that very soon uh, because uh, of course during covid i think that's uh, a lot of people are thinking about uh yeah, those types love, of properties yeah, we, we should, should have you back we'll, specifically to talk about that yeah, let's do it. Let's look at some different regions in the province, um, and uh, you know, w- we'll share our experience. Where we've we've uh, we've named our project. It's called A Frame, E H Frame, just to be cheesy Canadiana. <clears throat> and um, 
you know, we're, we're documenting our entire process. We got a website set up aframe.com. And, um, so people can kind of follow along and we're, I'm hoping to kind of share the trials and tribulations as well as the successes in that journey. Cause I think that that's the piece that most people don't talk about. Um, it's a little raw right now to talk about because I'm afraid that some of these people might come back to get me. You might find me at the bottom of the lake, but, uh, at some point all will be revealed. (laughs) Right on. Well, we'll have, we'll have to do that very soon. Uh, as, as a final question, Todd, uh, on the five wire here, something you have purchased for under $1,500 that has changed your life in the last five years or in the last couple of years. Uh, I do remember it was a coffee mug once. Uh, oh yeah, I, I remember yeah. some of your answers here. Man, you yeah, what a memory! Oh man, I, it's like I'm I'm all things Todd. <laughs> He's wearing a Todd Talbot shirt right now. <laughs> well, you can. We've got a shop. Aframe.com. Go get your go get your merch, bud. Um, something that I bought. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that that I really love. Um, Rebecca bought it for me from Bosa uh, on Victoria there. It is a stovetop coffee maker, the single cup version. I don't know how much it is. It's probably like 20, 30 bucks. That's how I make my coffee every morning. It took me a little while to figure it out, but I love the coffee, number one. Number two, it's, um, it's probably the most sustainable way to make coffee. There's just put the grounds in the thing and then we wash it out at the end. So none of those pods or any of that i got one of those as a gift actually and uh it, this is uh embarrassing but yeah it took more than two minutes to figure out and i haven't tried it but yeah that, i watched that's a, a few reminder. youtube videos to be honest with you and then my brother uses one so he kind of gave me a bit of a tutorial and now i'm hooked it's it's awesome nice yeah that yeah great. that was yeah. a gift from friend of the show ray macklem you lost me at friend <laughs> <laughs> so Todd, you gotta squeeze that joke in one more time. It's not quite funny. Cups and trees, baby. <laughs> so Todd, how can people find out more about uh, you, what you're up to, what you're building? Sounds like aframe.com. Yeah, but also the right sizing, all those exciting things that uh, that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, social media is probably the easiest way to connect with me. I'm super active on Instagram and Facebook, so. If people message me through there, any questions, um, I manage it myself. So I, I try and answer everybody. We're launching a brand new website, toddtalbot.ca. Uh, that won't be out for, <laughs> I don't know, a couple weeks, months maybe, who knows, a couple years. But that will be showcasing the whole kind of right size philosophy as well as uh, links to A-Frame and some uh, information about our investors group and a bunch of other kind of, you know, less important things like, you know, what I do on TV and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty easy to find me. I think (laughs) I'm also, you know, kind of at Britannia sushi and uh, wandering around. Although now I wear a baseball hat and a mask. No one, can recognize anybody. Right. So, Except the construction know. workers. At <laughs> no, no, here yeah. he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here he comes. Here comes the, you know, quote unquote supervisor. Yeah. Yeah. Self-described supervisor. <laughs> yeah. I wear a hat that says supervisor. I, I think they believe it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Todd, for taking the time. Always appreciate it. Uh, you guys are awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the good chat. And uh, we'll talk soon. 
So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Todd Talbot, past guest, fan favorite. I think you called him a renaissance man to his face. I did. I called um, him a renaissance man. He's, he's, he's still, <laughs> I lost a lot of sleep over that, wondering what he thought about that. Did I oversell him to himself? I, I was going to say, you might have. Uh, I, I, there's a reason I, I'm talking about it. Well, yeah, you've been thinking about that. <laughs> I've been a lot of people have been lying awake thinking about me calling Todd Talbot a renaissance man. But you know what I meant? Double is, down on it. I, I, I'm going to double down on it. Who knows how to tap, <laughs> That's dance, true. sing, tap dance. That's I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even tap and dance. Yeah, tap and dance. Uh, who knows how to do all those things? And then on top of it, they're a great real estate investor. They're a great personality. Really nice person, sophisticated person. He's he's a good guy all around. He's a renaissance man. That's right. You've convinced me. Todd Talbot. AKA Renaissance Man, Vancouver's own Renaissance Man for sure. Yeah. Uh, and he's oh, going to wait, come- wait, 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 wait. I think wait, we've wait, called somebody wait. else wait. a Renaissance Man. I'm sorry. I didn't understand. I, I'm i looking for Encino Man. <laughs> I I didn't even, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been thinking that Renaissance Man was meant Encino Man this entire time. You're right. yeah. He's, I, I always thought of him as like that, that Brandon actor. <laughs> Encino man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I this is confusing. I'm embarrassed. Todd, we're anyway, sorry. It, was, it was great to have Todd on the show. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Uh, what else do we have for today? What else do we have? Very quickly, a few things. Uh, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This yes. is our website where all things real estate live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up for the live wire. This yes. is our weekly mailer where you get stats and a variety of other information at your fingertips every week. There's no reason why you don't want to be on the live wire. Right. We also have that listing incentive. Yep. This is where there is an incentive for anyone looking to list this spring, spring 2021. I think Power Walker 2021 was that's the, the uh, actual code. That's the code. Power Walker 2021. If it's yourself or if it's a friend and family member who you think would gel well with the Scalina brothers, send them our way. Everybody wins with those incentives. We also have the sold marketing plan. Yeah, Adam, Matt, this is uh, the sold plan is start on launch date and work your way backwards. It's an actionable plan basically to get your home ready for market before we list. Uh, super useful resource. So you can sign up, uh, just put in Sellers Club into the subject line of an email. You can send it to uh, info at com, or you can just sign up for the live wire and there's a button you can click on the live wire to get access access to those resources. And uh, last but not least, Matt, just want to quickly shout out PCS. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's the best resource out there for looking at real estate in Vancouver. And Matt, how can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me for any of these resources or any reason at all, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Was Paulie Shore an Encino man? I think so. And Brandon, I can't remember that guy's name. Hey, buddy. Remember, is that Paulie? What happened to Paulie Shore? He was in like every movie ever The big question is, you know, it's funny to wrap this back to the start of this. There's a clear reason why Todd Talbot's famous. Paulie Shore 
How did that ever happen? Apart from, I think Buddy? his mother, his mother owned, owned the comedy store, comedy store in LA. But yeah. uh, man, what a! Oh, you really hate Paulie Shore. I, <laughs> yes, I'm I, sorry. I don't, I don't I'm just, feel, I'm just, just like, wound up now. Him and uh, Paulie Shore and Gilbert Godfrey are my favorite actors. <laughs> okay, <laughs> have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. <laughs> Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.